Howdy, and welcome to this new Single Scoop episode. I'm Oldar, one of the Sunbase and resident HOT fans since 2008, and today I'm joined by JR. Hi, I'm JR, another Sunbay and a resident boy group fan. <laughs> and technically secondhand HOT fan. I'm also an NCT fan, <laughs> so I have some yes. stake here. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about the song Candy, starting from HOT to NCT Dream, the circumstances around it, and why Club HOT had such a big reaction to the remake. As there's a lot of context surrounding this topic, I'm going to be doing my best to bring everyone who isn't a longtime HOT fan up to speed. So let's get into it. To start, let's talk about HOT. They were the first idol group to debut from SM Entertainment in 1996. The members in age order are the leader, lead vocalist, lead dancer, and sub-rapper Hee-Joon, main dancer, main rapper, and unofficial vice leader Woo Hyuk, lead vocalist, sub-rapper, main English rapper Tony, main vocalist, and visual Kangta, and Magne, lead rapper, sub-vocal, and unofficial stunt dancer Jaywon. Even though Candy is their most well-known song and was beloved for being a happy song, it's very different from a fair amount of their discography, including all the title tracks from their five albums, as a lot of their hit songs were either critiques of Korea or about tragic events that happened in the country. As this episode is focused on one song, we won't be diving any more into the group outside of making connections to this. However, as I pulled information from one of the HOT project scripts for this, you might see some things here repeated later in that series. As for the song itself, Candy was first introduced in 1996 on HOT's debut album, We Hate All Kinds of Violence. After their debut song, Warrior's Descendants, ceased to be promoted due to plagiarism allegations, they came back with Candy, which turned the tide for the group. In my opinion, Candy became iconic due to it being a perfect combination of music, choreography, and visuals. Candy is a bright track with lyrics that are the gold standard for cheesy pop songs. The storyline of the song is this. A guy wakes up one morning and decides to go on a break, or break up, with his girlfriend because he realizes he's not the best boyfriend and their relationship isn't doing great. However, he eventually realizes that even though their relationship needs work, he loves her and actually doesn't want to be apart from her. It was written by Jang Yong Jin, who is the same age as HOT members Hee Joon, Woo Hyuk, and Tony, and he was still a teenager himself when his first songs became hits. He wrote many iconic first-gen songs, including HOT's Full of Happiness and HOT Appa Saranghaeo, House of Trust. He was also an idol and was a member of groups Lupin and Dongja. The name of the song was chosen by Jang Yong Jin because when he met the members of HOT, that was the word that stuck with him. As for the choreography, it matches the song and the rest of the visuals by being very high energy and bouncy. Two of the most recognizable parts of the choreography are the power racer move and the hammer dance. Power racer is when you sit on the ground, legs outstretched, and hop up and down with those hops propelling you forward, while the hammer dance involves your fists knocking around multiple points of your body. As for the stage costumes, unlike the cool teenager vibe they had for Warriors Descendant, Candy made the members look cute, which they weren't happy with when they first saw them. HOT either wore outfits with oversized jerseys with their names and numbers on them, or fluffy white overalls with long sleeved shirts underneath. There are a few variations, but the accessories for each member were mostly the same for every performance. Weehawk had a floppy bucket hat with puffballs with eyes and clothespins attached to it. Kangta had a fluffy shoulder bag. Jaywon had fluffy earmuffs. Tony had a knitted hat. And Hijun had a fluffy visor with goggles attached. 
and everyone wore fluffy mittens that hid a part of the choreography where the members stuck out their pinky fingers as a promise. Candy was also the beginning of the members of HOT having colors associated with them. If you've been a K-pop fan for a while, you probably know that a lot of groups have their own color. HOT's official color is white, which is why their fans wear white raincoats, and one of their nicknames is White Angels, even though the official term for the fan club is Club HOT. In addition to the group color, they also have official colors and numbers for each member. When they were rookies, these colors helped the public to easily identify who was who. Heejun's color is yellow and his number is 23. Weok's is blue and number 35. Tony is red and number 07. Kongta's is green and number 27. And Jaewon's is orange and number 48. Even after HOT disbanded and the members went on to do solo work, these colors and numbers were still heavily associated with each member. The music video is also memorable due to it being filmed at Lotta World in Jamshul, Seoul. The Lottie World theme park and Jamshul by extent is a very meaningful place to HOT and their fans because members Kongta and Wuhyuk were discovered by SM Entertainment there. There are a few notable areas of the park where they were, with the most famous being in front of the Camelot Carousel, which has been a focal point in other works such as the drama Stairway to Heaven. The main storyline for the music video was that the members were trying to impress a park employee by being cringe. Subsequently, the city itself is also meaningful to the group as Jamshul Stadium is nearby. HOT has performed in Jamshul Stadium several times, such as for their 918 concert in 1999, their final concert in 2001, and due to the 2001 concert, all of their reunion concerts have been there as well. The release of this song had a major impact on HOT, SM Entertainment, and the entertainment industry as a whole. For HOT, it was the song that redeemed them from the plagiarism controversy, profoundly affected future promotions, and cemented them as icons. There were multiple times during the early years when their music was banned, censored, or accused of plagiarism, but none of these instances took them down like with their debut song when they were shunned by their colleagues and piled on by the media. I commonly refer to Candy as being their golden ticket or their get-out-of-jail-free card because as the rhetoric for their serious songs increased over the years, if those songs got censored or banned, they were able to fall back on the poppier songs, especially Candy, to keep them actively promoting and in the good graces of the public. Candy was also how they received their first awards. At the Golden Disc Awards, they won the SKC Rookie of the Year Award, and during SBS Sky Odejon, they won the Rookie Award. This is, of course, in the midst of multiple weekly award show wins for Candy, the first of which occurred on December 15, 1996. The members of HOT take a lot of pride in the song and the outfits because they associate it with so many good memories. Their hesitation over it faded because it wasn't just another cute pop song for teens. It had transcended to become an icon in music history. As for the company they were under, SM Entertainment greatly benefited from it. SM tends to claim that that was when their legacy began, as they take pride in the line of mostly successful artists who debuted since this point. However, they also like to reference this point in time to sort of sweep SM Studios under the rug. For those of you not aware, that company was the predecessor to SM Entertainment. None of the artists from then received anywhere near the same success as artists from HOT Forward. The closest was the first artist, Hyunjin Young, whose second album was a hit and he won the SKC Popular Singer Award at the Golden Disc Awards from it. 
But then his second arrest for drug use happened, and it was a huge mess for the company's reputation, employees, and finances. Someday we'll have to do an episode on it because there's so much that happened and so many people were involved. But that event still has ramifications for SM Entertainment today. And a lot of the trouble that SM Entertainment inherited from SM Studios started to go away due to the success of Candy. SM went from being known as Isuman's Soso Company, whose biggest star went to prison twice, to what we're familiar with. Side note, at this time, Isuman wasn't primarily thought of as being a company executive. Back then, he was mainly recognized as a singer and an entertainer, and he even had a show during this time. If Candy hadn't been a hit in Oldar's opinion, SM Entertainment probably wouldn't have become one of the big three, and Isuman would have lived a very different life. But that's not where the impact of Candy stopped. Its success also had a huge effect on the entertainment industry. While selling a million albums is still a huge achievement for a group or artist, when H.O.T.'s first album, We Hate All Kinds of Violence, hit a million, it was a game changer. Keep in mind that this was a group that only just debuted a few months prior. They were from a company that wasn't established enough to have a base of fans who would be hyped on day one. Most of the copies sold were inside Korea, as there weren't as many international fans as there are now, and bulk buying wasn't a thing. Also, I'm just talking about albums sold because related merch is probably impossible to track, but Regardless, SM Entertainment made a ton of money from this. And as SM was pulling those kind of numbers, the entertainment industry took note. Quite a few groups that had debuted or were set to debut had their plans scrapped and changed to resemble HOT. The two most well-known cases of this are Jackie's and NRG. Jackie's was originally supposed to be a duo, and when Candy became popular, DSP which was a way bigger and more established company than SM at the time, changed their debut to include four more members who could compete with HOT. Meanwhile, NRG started as a duo called Hamo Hamo, but they debuted right around when Candy dropped, so they went back to the drawing board and re-debuted two years later as NRG with three more members. Side note, back in season two, we covered Jekyll's and the girl group Babyvox, whose debut was also affected by HOT, so if you want to hear more about their histories, you should check out those episodes. But it's not often that a single song or group flips an industry in a matter of months, but HOT's Candy did that with the idol system, borrowed from overseas, quickly becoming a standard in Korea, and subsequent groups debuted to mirror and compete with H.O.T. Over the years, many groups have covered H.O.T.'s songs, with the most popular being Candy. A lot of the time, groups cover it for a special stage as it's recognizable to the public who might not be so familiar with a newer group. However, sometimes idols just enjoy it and reference the song or choreography because they want to. One of the first, if not the first, group to do a cover of Candy was Jackie's, who I estimate did it in late summer of 1997, judging by how H.O.T. looked when they joined them on stage. Since that time, a number of K-pop groups have done it at some point. If it's not Candy, then it's usually either Hope, We Are the Future, or Hingbok. With Hingbok, however, most of those covers aren't actually H.O.T.'s version. The first H.O.T. song to be remade was Full of Happiness, also known as Hingbok, by Super Junior for the 2007 Summer SM Town album. I'm mentioning this because it's a juxtaposition with NCT Dream's remake, as it's the only other official remake of a major track by H.O.T. from a single SM group. Pretty much the only similarity Super Junior's Hingbok has to the original is the lyrics and melody, because the instrumental, choreography, 
and vocalizations are completely different from HOTs. To be fair, I can see why, because not only did HOT do so many ad-libs during performances, but also Super Juniors is more of a standardized, easy-to-follow version. The remake also doesn't require intentionally singing with voice cracks and growling, and the choreography doesn't include roughhousing. During first gen and early second gen, a lot of these covers were done by idols who were HOT fans before their debut. However, over time, fewer and fewer groups covering it had any connection to the original outside of hearing it used on TV shows or when they had to practice it as trainees. On the flip side of that, many fans of HOT weren't interested in the one-off stages these young groups were doing either. And this is where NCT Dream comes in. So we assume that most people listening to this know who they are, but if not, here's a quick summary. NCT Dream is a fourth-gen idol group that debuted from SM Entertainment in 2016. The members are leader, main dancer, main rapper, Mark, main vocalist, Lanjun, main rapper, lead dancer, Jeno, main vocalist, Hechan, center, sub-rapper, sub-vocal, Jamin, main vocalist, Chanla, and Maknae, main dancer, sub-rapper, Jisong. They are one of the groups under the NCT umbrella, and they specialize in bright and energetic music. Some examples of this are songs like their debut song, Chewing Gum, as well as hits like We Go Up and Hot Sauce. Like H.O.T., NCT Dream's first album, Hot Sauce, also sold over a million albums shortly after its release in 2021. But this wasn't too surprising because NCT's Residence Part 1 album broke H.O.T.'s best-selling album record from SM Entertainment shortly before this. Similar to H.O.T., there's too much information about NCT Dream to cover in this episode, but that's pretty much all you need to know before jumping into their version of Candy. Member Chunla had suggested doing a mini album for the winter season, and he got his wish. On December 16th, 2022, NCT Dream's first winter special mini album, Candy, was released digitally, followed by its physical release a few days later on December 19th. This special mini album has six tracks, with the title track being a remake of HT's Candy. The dates chosen were probably coincidental, but I found it interesting that the digital release was the day after the 26th anniversary of HOT winning their first award for Candy. As a heads up, since the focus of this episode is to discuss the connection between the two songs, and none of the b-sides on this album have anything to do with HOT, I'm not going to be diving into them here. But getting back to Candy, in my opinion, this remake is a success because it's also a perfect combination of multiple factors. A lot of times when people want to do an updated version of something, they lean too far into making it fit with the current trends. This often leads to it being lackluster because they've ignored what made it great in the first place. However, Entity Dreams did it right because their music style fits the original. I say the original, but an HOT fan pointed out to me that it sounds a lot more like JTL's version than HOT's with the vocals and instrumental and I have to agree. That version dropped around 2004, so three HOT members making an updated version eight years after the original's release would sound different. Regardless, I think the changes producer Kenzie made with NCT Dream's version when compared to the original 1996 version of the song were reasonable, and it didn't feel like anything was lost in the process. It also helps that the members were familiar with HOT's discography, so they had the right instincts on how to do vocals for it. 
for example. Mark thought it would be good if he sang with more of a rap tone. Jamin asked about making growling sounds, and Heytron ended notes like how Conkta did back then. Thanks to the video that showed their recording process, I was able to see this, and I think they were asking the right questions and were trying to figure out how to translate that into their style. Chunla mentioned it was the toughest recording he had done since debut, to which Jisung agreed. And I think the reason why is that it wasn't a new song with a guide that they could add their own personality to. This was a remake of a song from a group whose style was very different outside of Candy, and they were aware of that. H.O.T. took a lot of risks with their music that I doubt SM would allow nowadays. As for the choreography, it's the same deal with the differences making sense considering NCT Dream's style and what the song is. Pretty much only the chorus, power racer dance, and hammer dance of the original remain in the new version. The old moves choreographed by Park Jae-joon are fittingly merged with the new ones because the members watched the original and built the changes from there with a choreographer. However, with the power racer dance and the hammer dance, the feeling is very different to me. In my opinion, there's a lack of energy with these parts, and I think there's two reasons for it. First, in the behind-the-scenes video they released, you can see Lunjun attempting the power racer dance, and on the first hop, he hurts himself. He's not the first to do this, as HOT member Tony also used to get hurt when doing it. But for Lunjun, I think he didn't realize he was supposed to move forward through the hop, and not just straight down. So it's understandable why he wouldn't have wanted to repeat that in practice, let alone during promotions, and leaned on being cute instead. Also, back when Hee-jun was doing the move, he was typically wearing the thick, fluffy outfit that could help cushion the impact, but Lunjun's outfits during promotions for this weren't as helpful for that. <laughs> as for the hammer dance, Jeno is very conservative with his movements compared to Woohyuk's, but to be fair, the chorus of NCT Dream's version doesn't have big movements either, and with Jeno, I think it's partly that he doesn't want to punch himself, but I think it also might have something to do with dance challenges. Nowadays, those are typically filmed vertically, so if he moved as widely as Woohyuk, he would have been out of frame. I think this is especially important due to the CF that tied in with this song. NCT Dream collaborated with the bank KB Cookman Unhang for the KB Star Banking Challenge. This ad featured the members dancing to candy in a circle as the camera panned around. While the smaller movements make sense for the different circumstances, it's still weird to see and it comes off to me as having less energy. Moving on to talking about NCT Dream's stage costumes, there are a few variations that mirror HOTs. On the cover for the mini-album, they're dressed in their version of HOT's fluffy white overalls mixed with the jersey look. This is the most striking look, as it's varied while still being cohesive as a group. All of the members have fluffy white pants, but they look like they're much thinner than the fluffy ones HOT wore, and they have their names as well as their numbers on their shirts. Mark is wearing shorts with a white puffy vest, a teal jersey with the number 100, and a matching fluffy backwards baseball cap. Lanjun is wearing overalls with one side up, a white t-shirt with the number 7, a brown jacket, and a fluffy brown and white trapper hat with the logo for Chanel on the sides. Jeno looks like he's wearing overalls with the top part down, as well as a blue jersey with the number 23 and a huge fluffy yellow trapper hat. Heichan looks like he's wearing overalls with the top part down, as well as a white t-shirt with the number 58, a varsity jacket with designs, and his bright purple hair is a main feature. Jamin is wearing overalls with the top part down, what looks like a fluffy long-sleeved red jersey with the number 42 on it, and a stylish pair of red sunglasses on his head. Chunlo wears fluffy overalls with one side of the top fastened, a green sailor top with the number 30 on it, and a fluffy white sun visor with Chanel written at the top. And Jisung wears fluffy overalls with one side of the top up, 
a white t-shirt with the number 14 written in light blue, a red and white large checkered fleece jacket, and a blue knitted beanie with ears, <laughs> like cat ears. I didn't see an explanation for why each member got what color, but their numbers have previously been associated with them. If you look at the pictures in NCT's Resonance Part 2 album, you'll notice all 23 members have numbers, and for most of them, there's a known backstory. The numbers on the Dream member shirts here match those. However, there are a few strange coincidences with this promotion, and that includes Geno's and Longjun's numbers, HOT fans were really confused when they saw the promotional images for Candy because Jeno has the same number as Sejun since 23 is his birth date, but he's wearing Wuhyuk's colors. And then Lunjun has the same number as Tony for the same reason being Lucky 7. Aside from the numbers, all of the NCT Dream members are wearing fluffy gloves or mittens similar to HOT's, but they don't obstruct the choreography. To wrap up this section, another sign of the times is that I found a website called Inky Style that did a breakdown of their outfits, and the cost for even the smallest pieces shows how different SM's finances are from 1996. Yeah, like we mentioned a few branded items when doing the breakdown. It's just <laughs> watching the two of them back to back, it transcends the fact that they were made at different times, you know? Yeah, the very clear the company is in a very yes. different position. <laughs> And also back then, this was when they were just starting out, whereas NCT Dream is going into their seventh year together. Mm -hmm. And four out of the five members of HOT came from financial hardships, so they could not afford any of this. And J1 and Tony previously talked about how there were allegations that they got jawline plastic surgery. Oh, wow. And they both kind of laughed over it and said, we were too broke for that. We wanted it, but we couldn't <laughs> afford it. How the times have changed. Yep. Another difference from 1996 is NCT Dream's music video for Candy. It's obvious that more money was sunk into this one as there are multiple sets and props. This one has more of an emphasis on the Christmas holiday with the small storyline involving the members surprising a kid with presents and games. Even though the original didn't explicitly do that, it fits because HOT did promote Candy during the holiday and there was some snow on the stairs when they were filming outside. Another big difference is that the theme park NCT Dream filmed at was Everland. This is another fitting change as SM had a collaboration with the park last year and they were involved. However, they still posed with the Royal Jubilee Carousel, which was a good nod to the original. And we think that the inclusion of the magic tree towards the end was a good addition because it also fit in the music video so well. Alright, let's talk about reception. Just like with the original, the reception to NCT Dream's version was well received. As mentioned earlier, it was digitally released on December 16th, then by the next day it was already number one on iTunes in over a dozen different regions. Within hours of its release in Korea, it was at number one on Melon's top 100 chart. About a week after its release, it was also number one on the Circle chart, and it was reported that it had surpassed 2 million pre-orders. The Candy Challenge was also popular, with multiple idols uploading videos of themselves dancing to it, including SM artists like Kai, Espa, NCT's leader Taeyong, and Wavy, as well as idol groups outside of SM and many fans. But what did the members of HOT think of it? Well, typically, they don't publicly react much to covers, but this time was different in a way that many fans, including myself, weren't expecting. NCT Dream met Tony at the SBS Broadcasting Center, and he greeted them warmly. This was the first time they were meeting, and he was happy to have them there. They discussed the explosive popularity of Candy, and he complimented them for how well it was charting. They presented him with a copy of their album, which he loved the packaging of, 
Then they gave him a pair of fluffy mittens in his color and asked if he would do the candy challenge with them. As he's one of the MCs of the show Animal Farm, he suggested doing it on the show's set because he felt it would fit the song well. Afterwards, they told him that Conkta was going to be hosting an event for them that day, and Tony replied that he wished he was doing it instead. Tony is usually good at talking to junior artists and he'll pose for their social media pages, but he also posted the candy challenge on his own Instagram. This meant that he approved of NCT Dream's candy and left the interaction thinking positively of them. Later that day, they went to meet Kankta. He told them that he liked NCT Dream's version of candy and had watched a music video for it so many times. Like with Tony, they presented him with their album and mittens in his color. When they asked him if he wanted to do the candy challenge with them, he immediately agreed. Typically, Kankta acts pretty reserved, yet when he appeared on stage at NCT Dream's event, he rushed to hug them. So it's safe to say that he approved of their version of candy. The only member that didn't explicitly talk about NCT Dream is Jaywon. He's known for not talking much, but usually if the members decide to do something, he goes along with it because he trusts them. However, in January, his stylist posted a video on Instagram of a bunch of people dancing to the original candy with Jaywon, and she mentioned NCT Dream and the popularity of their song in the description and tags. J1 hasn't posted anything relating to them, but that doesn't mean anything negative considering what's been going on with him. Around the time that Candy dropped, he announced that he had COVID and for the last few months, he's been busy promoting his new business. However, the two members whose reaction I was most interested in were Ruhyuk and Hijun. Both are very analytical and neither pulls punches when it comes to HOT. When NCT Dream's candy was released, Wuyuk posted about it on his Instagram story with blue hearts next to it. Lately, he's been responding to fans that way and it's a mark of approval. When his light stick, which references his bucket hat from candy, dropped, he included NCT Dream's version of candy along with HOT's version and Big One's song about HOT in the promotional video for it. He also posted a cover of himself energetically dancing to NCT Dream's song while waving his light stick around. However, it doesn't seem like he's had a chance to meet the members yet, but to be fair, around the time that NCT Dream met Tony and Kongta, Wuyuk had his wisdom teeth taken out. As for Yijun, he went to SM with his daughter to meet NCT Dream. This wasn't their first time meeting as they appeared on his radio show back in 2018 when they were promoting We Go Up. Back then, he had a lot of compliments for them and was surprised when they told him that We Are The Future was their jam when they were trainees. Clearly, they left a positive impression on him because he wouldn't have met up with them at SM with Jam Jam otherwise. Speaking of Jam Jam, she brought small presents for the members and Hijun revealed that she was a fan of theirs. For the candy challenge, Jam Jam danced in Hijun's place and she was given fluffy mittens like Kongta and Tony. I wasn't too surprised by Jam Jam dancing instead of Hijun because he prefers to be behind cameras instead of in front of them nowadays and he's not always healthy enough to dance. Still, he approved of the new song and of Jam Jam being a fan of theirs. However, most people were surprised about the reaction Club HOT had. This is for a few reasons, but I think it's mainly that people didn't realize just how active HOT's fan base is, let alone the demographics of it. I saw a lot of people saying it was just mothers hyped their kids were listening to the same song they loved when they were teens, but as someone in the fandom, to me, 
Nostalgia is only a small part of the story. First, while a number of the original Korean and international fans grew up and moved on after HOT's disbandment, there's always been a core base that has supported the members. Then, when everyone went solo, fans spread out and developed their own fan cultures. Added to that, every few years, a bunch of new K-pop fans discover first gen and join the fandom. So, we've been active this whole time, but we've been in our own dedicated corners of the internet. However, as the HOT fandom doesn't really have a centralized place to communicate, this means that it's extremely rare for us to agree on something. The reunion concerts were received positively across the board until those were put on hold due to COVID, but then the 25th anniversary happened and it was a mess. Around March of 2021, there was a screenshot going around from a notes app that was titled SM Town X HOT's 25th Anniversary. It appeared to mirror the Our Beloved BOA project from 2020, as it listed what HOT songs current SM groups would be covering for the anniversary. While fans of the other groups reacted positively to the news, Club HOT didn't. Aside from the already bad relationships HOT fans have with SM for multiple grievances over the years, this looked like a copy of BOA's who has an entirely different legacy, and it was entirely off the mark. And that's not even getting into the issues that would be rehashed with Aya, Lineup, and Wolf and Sheep specifically. So as this screenshot was being passed around the fandom from the Chinese HOT fans, to the original Korean club HOT, to the White Angels, and beyond, anger rose. Even though the screenshot source wasn't confirmed, SM got yelled at. If that was an actual leak, it seems that the backlash got the project mostly cancelled. I say mostly because the SM Town version of Hope was eventually released and it was mostly condemned by HOT fans who felt that their input had been ignored. It also doesn't help that what HOT fans wanted to see, including the remasters, had downsides. With the only exceptions that Club HOT enjoyed being Kongta's remake of Free to Fly and the jazz version of The Promise of HOT. Which I think they should have stopped at the jazz version. It's like, you did a great job, end it there. <laughs> Stop while you're ahead. Exactly. We're actually behind with the remasters. Ooh. Which leads us back to NCT and netizens. When it was announced that NCT Dream was going to be doing a remake of Candy, a lot of HOT fans rolled their eyes because we all thought it was going to be like Hope and prove again that fans of the original group weren't going to be considered. But then commercials with a clip of the song came out and fans who took a chance and listened to it liked it. Next, Wuhyuk, who has acted as the guardian of HOT's legacy and is a big critic of SM, approved of it. And that prompted HOT fans to go digging into NCT Dream. They shared clips of the group, such as when they were talking to Ijun in 2018, when Kongta passed a metaphorical torch to them in the VCR for the SM Town 2019 concert, and in NCT Dream's music video for Beatbox, Mark wore what appears to be a bandana from Wuhyuk's IATF merch line. But I have no clue if either of them were aware of it. Like, usually if a fan posts themselves with Wuhyuk's merch, he'll take a screenshot of it and post it on his Instagram story. But then also, I have no idea if Mark knows the line, like, did a stylist hand it to him? Or did he personally like it? Because a lot of people could understandably confuse it with just being a general streetwear brand. Right, not knowing the background. Yeah, and not knowing that the person mm. who designed it is the idol, and that's his site. I think it's more obvious now, since he's put the light stick on there, but 
I have no clue as to if Mark is an IATF fan. Then, through the grapevine, rumors spread that at SM Town family concerts, netizens tend to keep their lights on during Conctus performances. This one is especially impactful because he's the only active SM idol who doesn't have his own light stick, and HOTs isn't sold anymore due to the lawsuit. Add in that there was another rumor going around that Concta fans had their white balloons confiscated by concert staff at the latest SM concert back in summer. Regardless of the validity of the rumors, hearing that another fandom kept their lights on for an artist whose fans couldn't spoke volumes. Positive comments from netizens who talked respectfully about HOT were also noticed. Even though it's unlikely that NCT Dream and netizens were aware of all this, by the time NCT Dream's promotions for candy were in full swing, they were backed by HOT fans. And it didn't stop there either. Fans saw how excited Kongta was to see the group, how kind the members were to Heejun and Jam Jam, Tony name-dropping them at an awards ceremony recently, and Wuya continuing to promote them even as late as February 6th. They were truly accepted by HOT and their fans. However, I want to make it clear that this is most likely an exception. SM still decided to do this promotion after being made well aware of Club HOT's wishes. They also flippantly used the term Tanji for a keychain and as a dismissive call to HOT fans. I don't think they're even aware that this is a nickname for Tony fans far more than HOT in general, let alone that we're not on good terms enough for them to use that name so easily. But regardless, even though NCT Dream's recreation of Candy was good, it didn't convince me and many others in the fandom that the door was open for other SM groups to do the same. I worry that the success of this version will make SM think they should go the Disney remake route, but hopefully the whole company upheaval going on right now will cause them to drop any further plans. To sum up, HOT's Candy is iconic, but NCT Dream's remake of Candy feels like a passing of the torch. In the future, NCT Dream and their fans shouldn't be surprised if they see Club HOT cheering them on. And while our relationship with SM has gotten worse, I'm confident in saying that HOT fans have accepted NCT Dream. Now, of course, there are always people who don't like the new remake and will find something to complain, but a number of us, when we were looking for something to complain about, were like, well... At least they did this. Oh, well, at least they did this. And then it also helps that there was one or two covers of other HOT songs that dropped around this time that then had fans going, well, at least NCT Dream. And it's like, oh, <laughs> they realized that they did accept them. And I think, though, if they were to go to the HOT concert, they would be received very well. Mm, yeah, especially since it seems like since the HOT members have reacted so warmly, most of them, you know, that were able to and not sick yeah. or recovering from something. I think that really yeah. does speak volumes as to how they perceive NCT Dream. Regardless of the fact that NCT Dream is from SM Entertainment, the members of Dream are their own people and they have shown the respect that HOT deserves even if SM has not. This definitely stood out because, first of all, you had pretty much unanimous members talking positively about mm -hmm. it, and especially Wuyuk. He gave his full approval, full approval. Right. But Hijun taking Jam Jam especially. I know. Yeah, you involve family in something, and you're like, oh, Especially a kid. Okay. 
I see now. This has weight. Yeah, especially because the only other idols who he's like been like, okay, you can meet my daughter that I personally know of is 17. Mm, I remember that, yeah. And that the members, obviously, they talked to Conkta. I assume there's a group chat and he probably gave him a heads up. Like, <laughs> right. SM apparently didn't give anyone a heads up, which generally when people are doing remakes, they don't give the original singer a heads up. I get that. But for HRT, it's like you literally have everyone right there. Right. I think there are certain things where if communicating to the original members would have oh, helped in sure. Dream. I just think of Lundjun especially because of the possibility of him getting hurt. Because Hijun has done it for so long and he does have back problems. But he probably would have been like, and over time I learned how to do it safer and this is what right, you do. Right. And then the other thing that I was surprised about was that across the board, like I saw older Korean fans, younger Korean fans, because there's a lot of Gen Z coming into the HOT fandom and who were very vocal and how like there was just like the overwhelmingly positive reception to yeah. it. And we all paid attention to the same mm. thing. Like not everyone saw June from Ace. Right, right. I think also the the choice of NCT Dream, outside of the fact that they are the cuter NCT subunit, I think it was just really smart to go with them yeah. overall because of their fan base. Yeah. I think that was a smart decision on SM's part. Yeah, and also just the fact that they enjoyed the songs mm -hmm. pre-debut. They kind of absorbed it, made it their own. And then also, I think it was good that they didn't cover this early on. That especially at this point in their career, they can appreciate how to do mm -hmm. it, the weight of it, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. That even if like they weren't around for the original and had no previous interaction with the fan base, that the way that they tackled this was way better than anyone else yeah. could have. And also, there are certain groups have been pretty public how they don't like HRT songs. Which is wild to me. Like, don't just don't say anything. Why do you have to say you don't like them? That's absolutely wild to me. Well, there's been a lot of third and fourth gen groups who've been public about how, oh, I don't like HRT. I don't like covering it. It's like, I'm glad that you have your own opinion and you have your own heroes that you want to cover, you enjoy. But don't bring down the original group or fans. I think that's also a huge difference is that people don't understand the fans are still mm. around. Which is why it felt like it came out of nowhere when you saw the people in the white raincoats show up. Right. It's like, no. With the turnover, it's been more and more newer. And then over time, that has built up to a huge fan base. But just because like they don't all talk on Twitter or something like that, the people don't realize right. it. Yeah, overall, though, I've never, though, seen the fandom and the members all agree on something to this extent before, except for the concert. Mm -hmm. But even then, though, when the reunion concert came out, how I worded it is that the reception was like polite golf clapping with vaguely positive murmuring because that reaction and then versus this absolutely made a lot of people happy that's so rare. Yeah. If you are a younger group able to mobilize first gen, that says a lot about you. About you and also your fans, because HOT fans do look at other fan clubs and go, hmm. Right, right. We do look. Yeah, and then also, people doing covers over and over again, it's like, okay. Which is why the 25th anniversary, it's like, that's how you're going to celebrate it? People do that all the time. What does that make that special for the 25th anniversary? Yeah. And then, of course, we've also been spoiled of HOT coming yeah. back. In general, I feel like celebrating someone's anniversary by having other people perform their songs doesn't really like i see extend the legacy into the new generation type thing i see it i guess from that aspect but it feels like you're not truly celebrating them if you're not including them in it <laughs> and you're just focusing on other groups 
The other thing was that it sounded like they were just going to do the covers and just drop it and leave. Exactly. Like, that. that's ridiculous. The thing that gets me, from especially reading the HOT book, the members were very much involved with their music as in the members took that personally and they were very proud to have a debut song that was about a serious issue Mm. in korea especially as they were teenagers they're like this is our demographic and we're saying something they were proud of that limiting the celebration of that to just being covers it had no place and it was very Mm ill-fitting personally with this whole nct dream promotion this was one of the few times i can recall where it felt like first gen was respected and welcomed by another far newer fandom and quite frankly i think other groups and their fans should take notes on what did nct dream and their fans do correctly Mm -hmm. which kind of laid out during this episode but basically look at the original be kind that's where the bar is (laughs) It's that low. Just be respectful. Like, that is all you need to do. But that's it for today. Thank you so much, JR, for coming and joining me on this episode. That otherwise would have been just me. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I had fun. But I did cut out quite a bit because I knew this was going to be super long. So if you have any questions about Candy, then you can always talk to me on social media as I did try to make this be sort of a master crash course in Candy because it is such a historic song. Is it HRT's best? In my personal opinion, no. But do I get the hype? Yes. (laughs) So yeah, and also a lot of these points I will not be repeating the HRT project, so... Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, tell your friends about us, and review us on Podchaser. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. More single scoops are coming your way soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Annyeong.